for some of it, I feel like if you know you're impulsive, that helps because then you don't always trust your initial, your initial instant. Yeah. You're like, let me, let me think. Cause I, I told my husband, I'm going to quit my job and write a book. Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am your host, Tracy Otsuka. Thank you so much for joining me here for episode number 176 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I hope that you will subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at tracyoutsuka.com. You know, my purpose, it's always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I have had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something. Not one. So for all these reasons, I am just delighted to introduce you to Danielle Delina. Danielle was born and raised in New York. She was a high school dropout, but went on to graduate with a bachelor's in biology from UCSD, one of the top bio schools in the nation. And she did this as a single mom of two kids. Despite being 4'11", she played college volleyball. Danielle worked at the San Diego Zoo in the Reproductive Sciences Lab. When she was on maternity leave, she decided she was going to go to EMT school. Of course she did. She's ADHD. She was the first person ever to complete the program while pregnant. Now she works as a medic at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, also a male-dominated field, by the way. She has been a baseball coach for over 10 years, and for five years, she served as the first female coach coordinator for District 33 San Diego. And she has a four-leaf clover collection with more than 200 clovers. Danielle, did I get all of that right? Yes, that's a lot. (laughs) Well, I'm delighted to have you here. So what's a four-leaf clover collection? I've just been, I don't know. It's They used to call me like a little pixie, but just I bend down to tie a shoelace, boom, four-leaf clover. And usually I give them away, but a lot of times I just keep them. So I have like whole book that just has all these four-leaf clovers, a couple five-leaf clovers. Oh my gosh. I love it. So do you just feel that you're 
luckier than your average bear? I guess so. (laughs) Because if we think we are, then we are, right? It's all about our thoughts. Yes. And I love what you just said, that you just bend down and you see them. And I think a lot of times what happens with our ADHD brains is we bend down and we see all the things that we shouldn't be seeing that don't serve us rather than looking for those four-leaf clovers. Oh, yes. That makes driving so much fun. (laughs) I'll be driving and I'm like, oh, Hawk. Oh, does he have a bunny? Oh, wait, I'm driving. (laughs) So before we talk about all of the things you accomplished, which are so interesting, can we talk about your ADHD diagnoses first? Yes, it is. Wow. Okay. I was actually not officially diagnosed until about four months ago, believe it or not. And as you hear like my stories and stuff, you'll see it's crazy that it took so long because I am like the poster child for ADHD. I don't think there's one box that I don't check. So my whole life, I've always been, you know, the screw up, the kid that sits in the back. And then when that doesn't work, you put the kid up front, doesn't matter where. I was very disruptive forever. And but my family... As a yes. child, were you primarily hyperactive or? Yes. Ah, Even okay. as an adult, I'm very hyperactive. If I'm waiting in line at the grocery store, I, I've done cartwheels in a store before. <laughs> I will do pirouettes, cartwheels. It is very unbecoming of an adult. <laughs> um, sometimes when I realize I'm getting a little hyperactive, I try to calm down and then my leg just kicks like a, like a horse <laughs> in a stable. I get stares a lot. It's not always fun. But yes, I am very, very hyperactive, even as an adult. And so, um, but my whole life I've been diagnosed, I've been in and out of therapy. And so it's always been anxiety, depression, anxiety, depression. That's what they always go to, especially for women, man, especially for us. Yeah. And I do have a trauma past. And so anytime you mention trauma, automatically, they don't even think that we're more susceptible with ADHD for PTSD. But no, they just think, oh, it's it's this, it's anxiety, it's depression. Mm Mm-hmm. And so my whole life, that's that's what it's been. And I've taken every anti-anxiety, antidepressant known to man. And at one point, my primary care, who's a DO and I absolutely love her, she was like, you know, I think maybe your ADHD could be the underlying factor for the rest of this. Had you ever heard of ADHD? Did you ever consider it? So my family, we are, I'm only like the second generation off the boat in America, so for immigrant families, usually mental health is not a thing. You know, Where is you your family it. from? From Sicily, on both oh. sides. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so mental health's not a thing. It's just, you know, get over it, you know, do what you have to do. <laughs> and so both my parents, I'm convinced both of them have it for mm-hmm. sure. But they don't believe in it. And so that made things really rough growing up because there was no help for it. I know. Do they believe in anxiety and depression? Because it sounds, I mean, no. it sounds like they didn't believe in that either? No. no. Nope. So, okay. So start back when you were little. What, okay. when, I, I want to hear the whole story. Man. Okay. So, well, ever since I was little, little, How I old? would, let's say four or five. Okay. I uh, could never sit still and I would catch uh, snakes, <laughs> spiders, uh, frogs, all kinds of you know, wonderful creatures, and I'd bring them by the bucket full, <laughs> sometimes into the house. And then in school... Did um, you have siblings, I, Danielle? Yes, I have four siblings. And were That's, they like you? No. <laughs> oh. No. I believe my younger brother has ADHD, mm-hmm. but no, my, my sister is 
very well behaved. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my brother also very well behaved. In fact, in school, you know, you go to the same school as your siblings and the teachers are like, oh, you're David's little sister. Can't wait to have you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then my poor sister, they're like, oh, no, what am I going to get with this one? Um, yeah, I was I was kicked out of school a lot. I mean, a lot. And what would you do that would get you kicked out of school? Okay, let's see. So in high school, it was worse. For example, I had a trigonometry class and um, it was just, I couldn't sit. I can't sit still ever. And she made me go to the front of the class. First it was the back, then it was the front. And I would just be like, hey, every time Miss Phillips says number two, I get to kick you. And my friend's like, okay, but she says divide, I get to kick you. And we just sit there and kick each other in the front of the class. <laughs> definitely throw random things in class. And if I didn't want to be there, I would just get up and walk away. <laughs> Were you just bored out of your gourd or so yes. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. So this was in high school, but yes. what happened in elementary school that led to this irreverent kind of obnoxious behavior? Man, I don't know. So in, in, the younger grades, I think you had recess and you had you had an outlet most of the time. And then when it, you stopped having that outlet and it was no longer acceptable to sit in your chair funny, that's when it became a little bit harder and more recognizable on the outside for sure. Were you good in school? Like um, when you were younger in the elementary school years, did you think you were smart or did you always struggle? So... I never thought I was smart, but I was. Um, so for that trigonometry class, I, I failed it, right? Because I was never in class. And the next year, oh man, they gave me the same teacher with the same class. And I walked in and she looked at me and she said, uh-uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> she said, get out of my class. She said, here, this is the test days. That's when you can turn on your work and take your test. Otherwise, I don't want to see you. Um, and then oh, I got an A plus. I got an A plus. I and what did she say then? I don't She was just like, great, this works. She just didn't want to deal with me. Wow. So you could teach yourself. You didn't need to sit in a class for hours at a time to learn this material. So it was boring. Yes. Um, I do want to say, though, I did have a, another teacher. It was, uh, it was anatomy or chemistry. or It was one of the sciences. So I'm a, as I said, you know, I got my degree in bio. That's my field. I love it. Mm-hmm. And this teacher who I believe had ADHD. I was so bad in his class too, but he didn't kick me out. Instead, he made me the TA. He said, Smart man. Yeah, he's like, you're the TA. And so during class, I would be grading tests or I would be making the next test because he let me make the test for the class. Wow. Um, it was so much fun. Yeah, I loved it. And then I was busy. I was doing something while the class is going on. And then obviously I got an, an A in that one too, but it's just two different approaches. And he saw something that the other teacher didn't. And he kind of... um he actually saw that. you. Yes. And he really changed my life because he, oh. I didn't think I was going to go to college. I'm a screw up. Screw ups don't go to college. Mm. And so he was like, what college are you going to? I'm not going to any college. He's like, what? You have to. You're smart. I'm like, no, I'm not smart. I just get good grades. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think with, with us, with ADHD, we have the RSD and, and we know, we're, um, sometimes we know we're different. We always know we're different. And when you hear that your whole life, like as a kid, sit still, do this, you're disruptive, you're that, and that's your whole life, and it's, it becomes your narrative. And it's really hard to get out of that narrative because you kind of sit there like this, I guess this is who I am. But this teacher, and he said, he was like, no, you can go to college for sure. And I did. 
I don't think I would have if he didn't even bring that up as an option. Have you told so. him that? I did. Yes. Oh. Definitely. I mean, the right teacher, they, they change lives, right? Definitely. Yes. Oh, yes. So I'm curious. So you were getting all this negative feedback, negative emotion from most teachers yes. at school. What and about- security guards. <laughs> oh my gosh. And security guards. Lovely, Danielle. Because I'd leave, I would leave class and I would go skateboard in the halls. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I've got to tell you a story. So I was like you, but not to the degree that you were. <laughs> and I would hate to be in class too, because, I, but I was a, a really good student. And so we would, it was because my best friend at the time wanted to skip school. We would skip school and she would go to some place to go get weed, which I <laughs> didn't want any part of, but we were so ridiculous. And, and this was an all girl Catholic school. So oh she goodness. had this right, bright red Toyota and it was a closed campus. So we were not supposed to be able to leave until we were seniors. Right. But we thought that if we would <laughs> drive out in this red car and she was tall and she would make herself, she would scrunch herself under the wheel. So it was, <laughs> it looked like the car was driving out with no one. And I would get down low too. And we actually thought that the nuns would be so stupid that they wouldn't know whose car that was and who was driving <laughs> the car out of the parking lot. That's great. Phantom car. <laughs> I, know. I know. Okay. Um, so you were talking about how you really didn't get the support, but for that one teacher, maybe a few teachers up until high school. What about at home? Did your parents see your gifts or was it just all negative emotion there as well? It was a lot of negative emotion. Um, my father left when I was very very young. And my mom was a single mom of five kids. And so she did her best, but she just wasn't, she wasn't around. Um, and that's one mm -hmm. of the reasons I had to drop out of high school when I was like 16 is I had to work, I had to work two jobs and help wow. I had to pay, you know, pay the bills, get dinner on the table. And so it's not her fault, but it definitely, there was no, no support at home. Okay. She was just trying to, just trying to float above water. She was doing the best she could. Yes. But yeah, we can always do better, can't we? Yes. Yep. So then you drop out of school, but then did the trigonometry class happen after that? Or how did that all work out where you ultimately end up in college? So that was all before. I dropped out 16 or 17, and that's when I, I was working. And the truancy officer, I had a truancy officer, called my house, and they're like, can I speak to Miss Delina? And I'm like, no, this, uh, you got to talk to me. Because I did, um, my brothers and sisters, like I walked them to school. I did their parent-teacher conferences, their homeworks. Like I wow. was, I stepped into that role for them, mm. which is very weird to have both the screw up in school and very caretaker, but yeah. that's what we do. And so they called me and I said, look, I can't go to school. I have to work. And then they said, oh, well, you can do this alternative learning and you can still finish school. I was like, what? <laughs> and so I did that. At that point, Danielle, did you have the idea in your head that I'm going to college? No, not at all. Wait a minute. I'm confused though, because okay. didn't that happen before you met with- Yes. Okay. So, so he gave me the idea that it was a possibility to go to college. And then this happened and it was like back burner. College is not going to happen now. And then after I went to this alternative school and graduated with, I think like a 4.0, because you don't have to go to class and attendance doesn't matter. 4.0. 
Wow. You just like, you do the work yourself at home and you turn it in. And so after that is when I was, that's when I went to college. It was back on the table when I graduated. Okay. Got it. So what happened in college? It was rough. I had to actually study at UCSD. (laughs) (laughs) Did did Uh, that mean you went away? Where did you live at the time? So I actually left home when I was 17. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was homeless for a little bit. And then... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh Okay. (laughs) Where was home? At this time, home was in Monterey, California. Okay. So you were in California and you left home and then you were homeless? Why did you leave home? I ran away from home. (laughs) Oh. I didn't like the home life and I was like, I'm out of here. But um, believe it or not, I actually still paid the bills. I still had two jobs and I still paid some of the bills. I just kind of like lived in a, a tent in the woods for a while. Oh my gosh. Did your mom know this? Yeah. Yes. She was not happy. Uh, But again, I was the rebellious one, the bad one. And so it's not Mm -hmm. like it was that unexpected. How bad were you? You're still, you're holding down two jobs and sending money home. I know. I know. I'm a weirdo. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I'm older and I understand ADHD a little more, I understand. I think all of it was the impulsivity. Mm-hmm. It was just, this is what I'm going to do. And then I just do it. I don't think, don't think it through. Just yeah. do it. Not always okay. the smartest. Okay. So college was hard that first year. Mm-hmm. Were you living in the dorms? So let's see. When I went to UCSD, I, oh, okay. So I met my first husband. We were married. We were together for three months before I married him. And how old were you at when you met him? 18. So you're talking about you met him as a freshman. This was before I went to college. So I was not in college yet. I worked for a bit before I went to college. So I met him when I was on the streets, I believe. Oh, wow. And we got married. He was military. So we lived in military housing for a little bit. And then we went back to the East Coast. I wanted to go to school in New York. Um, But because I had graduated in California, um, I couldn't get in-state tuition. So we moved back out to California. And that's when we went to school out here. you both so, went to school together? Yes. Okay. Yep. I actually wasn't going to go to UCSC. I wanted to go to Berkeley, mm-hmm. but he couldn't get in. Oh, so, great. But you UCSC could, was you my safe get school. In, he couldn't get in and you went to the other college. Yeah. UCSC was my safe school. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. But it worked out. It's a, it's a wonderful school. And we had- I had my, Yes. <laughs> I had my first son at 21 and I was in school at the time. And then- my second son in 2006, and I was also in school at the time. And so we had, we lived on campus family housing at the time. Okay. And what happened then? Let's see. Did you get a handle on school? Did school become easier? Uh, yes. Once I got to take, get out of general ed and got to do my classes, yes, yeah. I did very well, mm. super well. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm taking... I'm taking some classes right now at a community college, trying to bridge the gap because I'm about to apply for my master's because I know that I can do it. So I'm going to do it. So, um, which is wonderful. Yeah, we all know you can do it. So what happened with that husband? Okay, so he was bipolar schizophrenic, but not on medications and Mm -hmm. became very, very, very violent. It became very dangerous and... It did not end well. It ended with, I had to get custody of the kids. It was a whole, it's a whole lifetime movie. 
it's a whole lifetime movie. And I had to take the kids and leave, mm-hmm. which I did. And I was on my own for a while and he died oh, because gosh. of, because of all of his, his drug use. He, I forgot to mention that. That's what happened is unmedicated, but then medicated himself with all kinds of drugs. I think yeah. meth was involved. It was, it was bad. And oh. so, um, yeah, so I was by myself with the boys for a very long time. And how are the boys? Oh, they're wonderful. So they are 19 and 16. Oh, my 19 year old is about to graduate, which uh-huh. is insane to me because I just had him. I was <laughs> breastfeeding him and now he's graduating. Isn't it crazy how that happens? Yes. I know you understand. Your kids are, kids are similar in age, a little older. Yeah. 20 yeah, and crazy. And then, yeah. And then my 16 year old is still in school and he's a, he's a gym bro now. <laughs> a gym bro? He's a gym bro. So- they both played baseball. I hope so, based on what you've done <laughs> with baseball. So do either of them have ADHD? The oldest one, I do not believe so. Not at all. My uh-huh. The 16-year-old, I think he might, but I'm not sure. He did jujitsu for mm-hmm. a year and then quit. Mm-hmm. He did baseball, and he doesn't really do that anymore. That's fine. And kids do that. They need to explore. That's the thing is that with kids, they need to explore different things. So it's a little harder, but he can still read. He can read well. He does well in school, but for me, I'm like, that's not an indicator of whether you have it or not. Uh, but he does, we might, we're going to get him evaluated. I'm not sure. Okay. So based on all of this, Danielle, let's get back to the diagnosis story. What happened? How did you ultimately get to the point where, oh my gosh, it's ADHD. This explains everything. Okay. So let's cut to like this year. My my youngest daughter, who is now three, um, has been diagnosed with autism, and we think ADHD, but they don't really diagnose it that young. Mm-hmm. But if you give her a chair, she's like an alien. There's like different thirty different positions she will get in, and none of them are the correct way to sit in a chair. Uh-huh. And all of her what they call red flags, I never saw as a red flag because I was the same way, the exact same way, mm-hmm. and that got me. What I was reading, because that's what we do, we, you know, deep delve, dive into this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was reading about autism and ADHD. And then I was reading the ADHD. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is 100% me all the way. And then I was like, oh, yeah, but didn't my primary care say something about that? And so I talked to my therapist about getting an evaluation. And we had to get sent to a psychiatrist for that. And... So I go to the psychiatrist and it was absolutely terrible. It was horrific. She, she even knows like, okay, you're here for an ADHD evaluation. Yes, that's what we're here for. And I, when I left, I ended up with prescription for like an antidepressant, anti-anxiety. And that's what she gave me. I don't even think she did the evaluation. She just made up her mind ahead of time. This is what it is. Well, and um, that's what you'd been diagnosed with from the time you were young, right? Yes. Okay. And, but we went in like, and I even said like my primary care and my therapist, everybody in my life (laughs) believes that the ADHD could be the underlying factor. Okay. And she's like, well, I'm just not sure about that because you're, there's no family history. And I was like, well, they (laughs) definitely have it, but they didn't go to a doctor to get an official diagnosis. Yeah. And the lack of motivation is not lack of motivation. It's just, I'm really honest. Do I want to go to work or would I rather stay home and play video games? (laughs) That's not depression. I'd rather stay home and play video games. Mm-hmm. And so I, afterwards, I, I went home and I cried. I legit cried because I, 
I went home, I told my husband, I was like, I screwed up getting help for being a screw up. How does that happen? And then I, I told my therapist and she is the best. She mama bared so hard. <laughs> she called them up and, and she fixed it. She got me another appointment with someone who specializes in ADHD. Go figure. And so, yeah. Oh, she's the best. And so, I love people who are making diagnoses about things they understand not one whit about. Yes. And oh, and the other thing was the good grades. She was like, well, what was your, your GPA? How were your grades? I was like, the grades were good. I was not good, but the grades were good. Mm. Oh, no, I don't think you have it. I think it's anxiety. Just no. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Um, but the second psychiatrist I went to, oh, my God, she is so wonderful. She was very kind, very kind. And she asked the right questions because when we asked about the family history, she didn't say, is anybody officially diagnosed? She said, do other family members, you know, display symptoms? Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. And so I don't know if she did an official evaluation or she just looked at me and was like, oh, yeah, (laughs) that's ADHD. Um, And she gave me the diagnosis. And then she gave me. So I got in a car accident a few months before that, which was also a main factor of why I wanted to get I decided to to go on medications. Mm-hmm. And so... So do you think uh, it was an ADHD-related car crash? Yes. <laughs> okay. If insurance is listening, no, it was that guy's fault. <laughs> <laughs> but between us, yes, uh, definitely. Driving is, is very hard. Uh, so uh, she put me on Vyvanse, and it is amazing. Absolutely amazing. It helps for me with the anxiety. And then in school, when I'm reading, I can actually read instead of spending an hour on one page. It is, it's really good. And then take, taking notes, it slows my brain down enough to where when I am taking notes, my it's the same speed. Usually my brain goes too fast and the notes look like, <laughs> I don't know what, missed words, missed letters, and it's a big mess. But now um, I can actually take notes and it's about the same speed as my brain is going and that's, it's really a godsend. So what has changed since you were finally diagnosed with ADHD? Um, I'm nicer to myself now, ah. a lot nicer. Before I was, again, with that, that you're a screw up narrative, like you can't live life that way. That's no way. And I think my, also my daughter being diagnosed made a difference as well because I'll destroy the world for her. <laughs> and so that kind of compassion you have for your kid you know, my therapist's like, well, why don't you have that compassion for you? And wow. you're like, oh, <laughs> that's a good question. And so I'm doing that now. I'm allowing myself to be nicer to myself. And you know, my husband and I always joke. <laughs> I'm very klutzy, um, you know, all the, the funny ADHD stuff. But also, I'm not as hard on myself as I used to be. And then for some of it, I feel like if you know you're impulsive, that helps because then you don't always trust your initial your initial ideas. Instant, yeah. You're like, let me, let me think. Cause I, I told my husband, I'm going to quit my job and write a book. He was like, well, wait, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. Wait till that um, thought passes. Yes. And then also with my, uh, I'm going for my master's. Uh, but I said, I'm going to get my master's in conservation biology. And he's like, did you even research the field? <laughs> no, <laughs> just decided that's what I want to do. And so we did like, okay, let's, let's take a break. And that's why I'm doing community college. I'm taking some classes in it before mm-hmm. I make the decision. Smart um, husband. Yes, he is very, very smart. So He's think- uh, an engineer. So so did you get it right the second time? Yes. <laughs> so you learn from your challenges. 
Yes. Yeah. Ah. Um, and, you know, our brains go a million miles an hour, which is not always good, but sometimes it is good when it comes to problem solving. Yeah. And I think especially like as a medic, we don't freeze. We don't freeze when something happens. We're not taking the time to think, oh, no, what am I going to do? We're like, okay, you know, get this, get that. And we look at the problem, we, we fix it right then and there. And that's a great trait to have. Totally. Okay. So that, that leads perfectly into all of these interesting experiences that you've had over your lifetime. So the one that literally made me pause, what, well, all of them did, but especially <laughs> in high school, excuse me, in college, you're 4'11". And you yes. played volleyball. And oh, I don't yes. know a lot about volleyball, but what I do know is in high school, my daughter had a lot of friends that played on the volleyball team. And I think save but one of them, they were all six feet plus. So how do you play volleyball at 4'11"? I just love it. Yes, uh, I'm a beast. I am <laughs> I'm an, I'm very competitive. I'm an athlete. I've always been, I think, with the hyperactive. The hyperactivity. I always played sports. I played. I love hockey. I love slamming into somebody as hard as I can. <laughs> I did dance, gymnastics, cheerleading, everything. I love it. And so, so when me, the, I, you when know, you, you went to, to tryouts, like what are they? You know, you're four eleven. Everybody else is probably close to six <laughs> feet or more. Like what happened? Like what made you decide this is what I'm going to do? Okay, so. First off, I'm the only person who can walk under the net without ducking. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> regulation size is five feet. Uh -huh. um, I think we were in high school and my friends that I hang out with, let's go. I was like, let's go do this. They're like, no, we have volleyball tryouts. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll come with you. Let's do that. <laughs> and then I went and I did not make it that first year. I knew nothing about the sport, so I'm not even worried about it. But I was like, oh, this is fun. I like this. And then I did it. <laughs> And yes, I can jump. Well, maybe not anymore. I'm a little older now, but oh yeah, I could definitely jump about two feet off the ground. You know, that first year you didn't make it. Did you go and practice and like, how did you finally make it? Yes. Um, so usually a lot of sports are like this. If you don't make the team, um, and I think I didn't make the team by like one slot. Mm -hmm. And so if someone gets sick or whatever, you have that opportunity to take their place. And so um, I stayed <laughs> and I practiced with that team the whole year. Mm. And someone got sick or no, you just made it the next year. I just made it the next year. Okay. And what did you think about that volleyball coach? Cause I know you, you didn't love your teachers for the most part. Was, was he or she a really good volleyball coach? I think so. Yeah. Yes. She was great. Okay. So it was something positive. It was generating positive emotion in um, an area school where there wasn't a whole lot of positive emotion. Yes. I think all of my PE teachers loved me. <laughs> Um, I had a weightlifting teacher when I took weightlifting and he loved me. Um, he would always make me put more weight on. <laughs> I could hear him from across the gym, Delena, put more <laughs> weight on that. And I'm like, but the other girls, I don't care about the other girls. You could do more. <laughs> but I love that he believed in me and was like, no, this is, this is where you are at your level. That's where you're competing. You do that instead of letting me be complacent and kind of sit where everybody else was. Yeah. So what made you decide to go to EMT school while you were on maternity leave? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Um, when I was like 15 or 16, our friends, we were at a pool and my friend had jumped in and he stood up and his head was bleeding and it was, it was bad. And we took him out and 
everybody froze. It was just like, we were a bunch of kids. Everybody froze. And I was like, okay, I told my sister to get a towel, rolled it up under his neck so his, his neck wouldn't move. And then I put pressure on his wound and, and the medics got there and, and they were like, but you're good at this. <laughs> I was like, thanks. And they were like, yeah, when you, when you get older, you should consider that. And yeah. And then when I was, I guess, just thinking about it, when I was on maternity leave, because you're just sitting there with your big old belly. What am I going to do? This is so boring because can't rest. <laughs> That's absurd. And so, yeah, so I'm going to go to medic school. <laughs> and I did. That is so funny. And then after you gave birth, is that when you then became the medic at the San Diego Zoo? <laughs> Let's see. So I gave birth and then, yeah, actually shortly after that, once she was like of age, uh -huh. where I could leave her alone. Uh, but that was right before COVID happened. And then uh -huh. when COVID happened, I quit rig, which is where you're on the ambulance driving from site to site because it was too dangerous. We only had one little paper mask and it was supposed to last a 12 hour shift. Oh. Um, and everybody had COVID. There was no vaccine and mm -hmm. we I had a baby at home. And, oh yeah, yeah. And my husband was like, you need to think this because my initial reaction is, no, I need to help. I need to be there. I need to be in it. I need to help. And he's like, no, you have a family. That's what's important. And I listen to him because I do that sometimes. <laughs> when it makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I, I ended up quitting, which I'm glad I did because then that opened up a path to the zoo. And I so a job. what does Sorry. a medic at the San Diego Zoo do? Are you a medic for the animals? Or are you a medic for the employees? <laughs> Man, I wish I was a medic for the animals. No, <laughs> uh, we have a great vet staff that takes care of everything. And let me tell you, those animals are the most spoiled animals on the entire planet. No, for, for people. So we have a lot of employees that are on site. And so if anything happens with them, with, you know, catering, with mm. um, there's a garage, there's everything horticulture it's a big thing and so um any kind of employee injuries we deal with and then of course people injuries um the safari park i don't know if you've ever been there but i have is, oh it is there's a lot of walking yeah <laughs> and it is very hot in the summer and a lot of times we have like older grandparents that are trying to keep up with the younger grandkids mm. and so we get we get seizures heart attacks and then of course you have kids there's so many kids crawling on everything jumping off things and hopped yeah. up on sugar yeah. and so you know we treat injuries as well so we and do so everything is that a fun job it is yes i love it yeah because we get different things every day <laughs> one day i had a <laughs> an employee come in I think this was his words. He's like, I went to do something with the crane. Like he was, but he was doing something with the feed. And then the crane looked at him and he knew something was about to happen. He tried to get all the way and all he saw was a blur of feathers. Oh no. <laughs> I was like, okay. But he's fine. It was a couple scratches. So wait, um, so wait, the crane attacked him? Not really attacked him, but kind of like was going for something and he was in the way. Oh. Um, yeah. Well, better a crane than a lion? Yeah. Um, yeah, they don't, I don't think they don't really go in with the lions, but our lion is very old. He is um, <laughs> well past what a lion would normally be living in the wild. So he's not as bad. Mm. Some people worry. They're like, there's a bunny in the enclosure. You're like, don't, don't worry. He's well fed. He doesn't care. But yeah, we get some pretty cool stories. So you have been a baseball coach for over 10 years. Yes. Tell me about this. Okay, so that's an adventure. Um, it was rough. It is rough. Being a woman in a male-dominated field is a lot of pressure because if you mess up, 
it's because you're a woman. Obviously, it is not, but that is the consensus for those in charge. And uh, so the boys' kids team needed a baseball coach because um, the one that they had was leaving for the uh, – he was military and he was getting uh, overseas or something. Mm-hmm. And I stepped up and said, okay, you know, I'll do it. This um, is for Little League, right? This Yes, this is Little League. And this was this is Little, too. They were like eight. Did um, you know anything about baseball when you said I'll do it? Just from – watching baseball and playing street baseball. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so, but I was like, yeah, does, you know, teach me how to do this and I, I'll do it. I'll take over the team. And I did. And so people I coached with, there was a couple other dads that had stepped up to help as well. And it came very apparent right away that it was not fair. There were two teams. And because this team got a coach late in the game, all the leftover players who did not make the A squad made the, this team. Mm-hmm. And Teams should be equal because um, they're the same level of play. And you want that. You want to foster both teams to be really, really good. If you make one good and the other one's not, that other team is not going to learn. They're going to get defeated and put down. And then they're not going to want to come back the next year. Now you've lost a bunch of players. So it's very important to have the teams equal. They were not. And so a lot of other parents were like, well, I'm I'm leaving this league and I'm not coming back. And, and I said, I'm going to join the board. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? Why, what makes you think you can make any kind of change? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm going to try. Maybe I won't, but I'm going to try. I'm not going to leave. I'm going to try. And I think that's, again, is one of our ADHD strengths, right? Is that, that sense of social justice. Yes. Maybe fairness. a little bit. Uh, yes, fairness. And maybe a little bit of that, like, oppositional defiance. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to just sit there and take it. I'm not going to leave. Like, let's see. Like, there's other kids here. And what about next year? What about those kids? Like, let's try to fix this. So I joined the board and then uh, I coached again the next year. I coached for a couple years. And then I had a little bit of a setback where there was a very large, you know, bro dude, big aggressive <laughs> baseball coach who Lovely. said, I have no business on the field and da da da. And definitely he made me question myself. I don't wait, know. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so he told you you have no business on the field simply because you're a woman? He didn't use the words woman, but he said, I have no business being on the baseball field, but didn't elaborate. And he was, so he was one of my, I was the manager and he was one of my coaches. So I was above him. And I don't think he liked that. And he was on the board as well. And he went to the board with an ultimatum that if I don't step down and give him manager, that he was going to leave. And I had coached for about three years, which is about six seasons, because you have like spring season and then you have fall ball. Mm Mm-hmm. And by then, I like I knew what I was doing by then. I was pretty good. And the board went with him. They asked me to step down. They asked me to give up the, you know, the binder oh, and the gear to him. And no. I knew I was so heartbroken. And I definitely questioned everything because I'm like, <sighs> maybe I don't belong here. And it turned out within within six months, he ended up leaving the board anyway. And I think being kicked out because he got into a fight with an umpire. Lovely. Lovely. And I, I had, I was leaving. I stayed on longer than I should have. And it wasn't for them. It was for the kids for sure. But then shortly after that, I was asked to join district staff. (laughs) And yeah, right. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, It was so wonderful because I was so doubting myself and I'm glad that I did not that I didn't give up because I almost did. I almost believed him and was like, maybe I don't belong. Maybe I should just give up. And I'm so glad that I didn't because 
I am where I am now and where I am now, Tracy, let me tell you. Okay. So little girls, if you get a little girl on your team, it's, it's mostly boys. But when you get a little girl, she sees you and she's like, I had one little girl name is Lulu. And she was like, Oh my, I have a, one of my coaches is a girl. I was like, yes. I was like, and I'm not just a coach. I'm the head coach. She was like, what? <laughs> and her demeanor changed and she was comfortable and she was, man, it, it, and when you see that in a, in a little girl, it makes you so like, this is why you do it. This is why. So and let me then, just explain to our listeners that as the first female coach coordinator for this district in San Diego, you are in charge of a couple of thousand baseball teams, right? Yes. So every league has like anywhere between five and 20, sometimes more teams. Each team has about three or four or five coaches to it. That's for each league. And then our district has 15 leagues in it. And so you do the math on that. That's a lot. And so each league has a coach coordinator. And then I am the district coach coordinator over them. So I teach those coach coordinators how to deal with their coaches. Mm. But in addition to that, I'm in charge of training. And so I run clinics every year where I teach them not just the drills. The drills are the easy stuff. Let me tell you, baseball is the easy stuff. It's the, um, the mental work that goes with it, how to teach these kids to be better people. Because for us, you know, how many kids are going to go pro? Less I than know. 1% for sure. Yeah. And so baseball is just one little tiny part of it. And you do want them to get a scholarship in high school, but maybe they're not going to do that. So what you are going to do is you're going to teach them team, like, yeah, teamwork, how to work as a team, how to work with each other, how to be responsible for your stuff. So if you're a first baseman, you're like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be the first baseman I can be. If you're a shortstop, I'm going to show up a shortstop. I'm going to be the best shortstop I can be. And then you work as a team together. So you're responsible. You're working as a team. Sometimes you're a leader. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're following. And so all these things that it teaches you and for coaches, especially all the kids look up to you and the parents are looking up to you. So if you're one of those people <laughs> that get loud with umpires and you're chirping the whole time, oh, this this ump is blind and this guy's that. Da, da, da. It's always Ugh. somebody else. It's never you. Yeah. And so what are you teaching the kids? And and again, what are the parents going to do? The parents are going to mimic that. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, well, the coach said this umpire sucks. So this umpire sucks. And then this is no longer a fun environment that we're playing in. This is now like very hostile and the kids feel it. Um, if you've ever watched any kind of game with parents are getting a little crazy, you can see it on the kids. The kids are not having fun. Man, this is exactly why we need more women in positions like you. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree. We need that so much. And that's another reason why I will, because we've moved away a little bit. We're about an hour away from San Diego now. Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, are you going to stop? I'm like, no, <laughs> I can't. There's no way. In my last clinic, I had a female coach, which again is very rare. In my 10 years, I've only met two other coaches besides me who have been at a higher level of play, like 12 year olds and above, like high school. And so it's very rare. And there was one in my last clinic. And I didn't think about it only because I have been in this for 10 years now. So I'm used to being surrounded by all these big dudes. I'm used to it by now. <laughs> yeah, all these bros. And so I'm used to it. But I didn't really think like, that how, what was my first year, you know, when you go to a clinic and you're like, oh, I'm the only girl here. What, what is happening? And so she sent me a message afterwards that like, she was second guessing, same as I did my first year. I'm second guessing it. Um, and then when I show up to the clinic, it's all men. She said, and then to see a woman running it, she was like, 
wow. <laughs> I love it. And she sent me the night. It was like the sweetest, sweetest message about how it like it inspired her. And man, that, that lights my fire. It keeps it keeps me going for sure. So I have to ask, what happened to the guy who got you thrown off the board? Have you heard anything from him or seen him anywhere? Or? Well, he's not coaching anymore. Um. <laughs> I hope he knows that you are and what you're doing. Oh, yes. Um, funny because the whole, the whole board, uh, they're one of our leagues. And so when I'm district coach coordinator, sometimes we come in to the other leagues to help them out. And so I come down as district staff to their board meetings or to their, their field to give an award or something else. And it's pretty cool. Yeah, I bet yeah. it is. So <laughs> I love that story. So Danielle, what is it about you and your ADHD or you now see it's your ADHD that makes you good at what you do? Okay. I'm going to say problem solving and being creative, especially with little league. You got two kinds of coaches. Okay. You've got one that comes in with a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. First inning, this is where everyone is. Second inning, this is where everyone's playing. But this is Little League and stuff happens. <laughs> uh, like sometimes, like you have a pitcher who does really well, but guess what? His parents are going through a divorce and his dad just showed up and now he's nervous to play well in front of his dad. He's not mm. going to pitch very well. All kinds of little things that you don't really think about. But we do as ADHD, we see everything, everything. And so you have to be flexible. And that's one good thing that we, that is one thing that we are very good at. Um, with ADHD is uh, being creative and flexible. And so in the middle of a game, I can be like, okay, you're going to play here. You're going to go there. We switch it up and just watching the game. So uh, I notice where each batter is hitting for the other team. And then when they're up again, like it's number four, he usually goes like to left field. So next time he's up, I'm like, hey, you tell my left fielder, be ready. This one's coming to you. And guess what? That's where it's going. I really haven't seen too many other coaches I have seen some, but not all of them with that kind of intuition. Um, and I think you get that with ADHD. Also, because of the ADHD, I feel like we are more compassionate, more empathetic um, to our players and other coaches. And so when we see a kid having a hard day, we can be there for them. And when we have a kid who has ADHD, we know where to put him. Um, not in the outfield, huh? <laughs> not in the outfield. My go-to for the ADHD kids are either pitcher or catcher. And that's exactly where my son was, pitcher. <laughs> yes, yeah. And they, um, they're the, that's the best place to put them because they will see a kid leaving that base before a neurotypical kid might. Mm -hmm. um, and same thing with catcher. They know where everybody is in the field and what they're doing. And they're engaged every single pitch. And so yeah. that's definitely, ADHD has been my strength in, in that sense, for sure. So what do you think the key to living successfully with ADHD is? Being okay with yourself. I've always been weird. I'm okay with being weird now. I like it. I'm different. I'm special. And that's me. I wouldn't change it. I would definitely change some of the uh, the internal chaos that goes in there. It would be nice to sleep. Yeah, part of the, the hyperactivity that I have particularly is, like I said, I'm always kicking or stomping or something. And even in my sleep, um, I kick in my sleep. My leg hangs off the bed and will twitch the entire, the entire night. It drives people nuts. And so... <laughs> what was your question? <laughs> what I veered too far. Living successfully with ADHD. Okay. I think that was the question. Was it, Danielle? I can't remember anymore. I think it was. I yes, used to call I, my son. It was like when he was little, it was like sleeping with the Cuisinart if he came into our bed. And so that's what I was thinking in my head when you were talking about yes. sleep and kicking. And Oh, yes. Yep. 
it drives my husband nuts or watching a movie and I start kicking and kicking. He's like, can you just stop? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't know I was doing it, but I will tell you, here's a funny story. He was um like, in a, you know, how people have Fitbits, right? And yeah. they have Fitbit challenges at work. And sometimes you win like a gift card or something. Uh, he wanted to win whatever it was. And I was like, oh, here, give me your Fitbit. Put it on my ankle. <laughs> oh, man. I think uh, we ended up going too far like, to where it was unbelievable. Like it was like 40,000 steps, like in two hours. He's like, no, 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 that's too much. <laughs> I was like, well, at least you're going to win it. They're like no one's going to believe that I ran like two marathons just now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. And then final question. What is your number one ADHD workaround? I'm assuming you have at least one. Oh, I have a lot because I have been undiagnosed for a very long time. <laughs> so let's see. So, so as a mom, I have alarms, alarms to pick up my kids, alarms to eat because I always forget to eat. Um, and then I have a menu board that's like Monday, you know, Monday pizza, Tuesday this. And it's not literal. It's not to be taken literal. That's not what you're having on Monday or Tuesday. But it's to remind me what I have in the fridge, what I can make that day. Because otherwise I forget what I had bought that week in groceries. So I, I put it all on the menu board and that's what I know for like the whole week. Okay. So wait, wait, back up a second. So what yeah. does that look like? You go shopping and do, do you start with the menu board and then go shopping for the menu board? Or do you start with shopping and then look at the menu board and decide what you've got going on, that what okay. you have? So I open my cabinets and my fridge up. It looks like six cents with all the cabinets open. Mm -hmm. And then I look in there and I'm like, okay, this is what I have. This is what I need. And then I make the menu board of what I'm going to make. And then anything that's needed, I go grocery shopping that day. I also, I do, do you, online so do you, shopping. So Danielle, do you do like at the beginning of the week or how do you yes. structure that? Usually it's like, usually it's like Monday morning. That's when I usually do it. Yeah. And I do, um, like I do Target online or Vons online. So this way I don't get distracted <laughs> and by kinds of crap a million things. Need. Yes. Yep. Um, and then post-it notes. I know everyone says that on your show, but it's true. Um, but different colors. Um, I switch the colors out because if you're always looking at yellow, it becomes like the background and you stop looking at it. Um, and I also put it, you know, on the computer screens or wherever you're going to, wherever it's going to bother you the most. But yeah, I change up the colors of it. Um, and then I put simple stuff on the post-it notes as well, like take a shower or eat lunch this way. You get that little, that little dopamine boost of doing something, even though it's something that's easier, but it still helps. Yeah. It gets you in the, um, in the zone. Um, and I know, I think a couple of weeks ago, I heard someone say this one as well, but the online shopping, when you put your stuff in the cart and then you uh -huh. leave it there for a day, Yep. you come back the next day and you're like, lock picking kit. What the, why do I need that? <laughs> What kind of new hobby was I about to pick up? Um, so those are my my biggest my biggest go tos. Those are great. So Danielle, where can people find you if they want to know more about you or connect? Okay, so I have a YouTube channel, Coach Delina. Oh, just like it's just like my name is spelled. Okay, so um, it's, spell it because your name is spelled differently. Yes, so it's Coach C O A C H, and Delina is D I L E N A. Um, and that is about a year old right now. And we're actually, I'm about to put out, um, a whole neurodiversity series. Um, so my videos are different. I don't know if, I don't know that you've ever seen instructional baseball videos, but the <laughs> kids are always perfect. They're like, here's a drill to do with your perfect kids that will perfectly listen. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, and they're great drills. They really are. But for little league and for, 
for different stuff, like that's not going to work. And so mine are real. And I let the kids, I record it as is. So if the kids are doing spins in the backgrounds, that's what's happening. But I like it that way. That's just real. I don't want you to come in with these as a coach and think that this is how kids behave because that's not what you're going to see. Um, so I leave it real. And then I put things in there like, what happens when you're the only coach and you have 12 kids or vice versa? And so, um, and I'm about to put out a, a neurodiversity series. So I have a couple friends and coaches that I've met along the way uh, who has a son who has Tourette's and then him, the father and the coach are going to both do an interview. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, ADHD, I've got covered, mm-hmm. autism, OCD, uh, maybe epilepsy, even though that's not really a neurodiversity one, but it's still a medical one we might put in there for um, for coaches to know because I'm going to teach them like what it is and and how to coach that because a lot of neurodiver- uh, sorry, neurotypical people do not know, um, <laughs> they don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> Right. right. And we're not and we're not dumb and we're not broken. We're just we just have a different owner's manual, you know? It's like if you give an Apple person a Samsung, they might not not, to, not know what to do with it and vice versa. And that that's how it is with us. We just have a different operating system and so this will help people to to learn that and how to how to how to coach that. I love um, it. Okay, and so then I, um I also have an Instagram that I'm starting right now because I need to get on more platforms. <laughs> Um, and that is Coach Delina Baseball, C O A C H D I L E N A B A S E B A L L. Okay, so on YouTube, your Coach Delina. On Instagram, your Coach Delina Baseball. Yes. Um, there's also Coach Delina uh, Facebook, which um, if anyone wants, that's where you'll get a message. Like if you want to send a message, that is where I can check. Um, Coach Delina on Facebook. On Facebook, yes. So if they want to send you a DM, you're good with that. Yes. Yes, definitely. Okay. So we're going to have all of this in our show notes as well. Danielle, thank you so much for spending time with us here today. You are just lovely. Thank you. Oh, Tracy, before I go, I just wanted to share two things with you. One thing is my my favorite um, comeback <laughs> for when people say anything about a female in baseball or medics. Because sometimes you get people that are like, oh, we got a, a female medic. What? And my favorite comeback is just snarky enough to get the point across, but not too snarky to lose my job. But mine, mine is, uh, yeah, they even let us vote now, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't know for how long that's going to be, Danielle. Oh, man, don't get me started. <laughs> um, and the other thing I just want to say, Tracy, thank you so much for this podcast, because it's so good to know where we struggle at and it's so good to commiserate, but you can't live there, you know, and and you don't, your podcast doesn't stay there. It goes on wonderful platform that shows all of us like in our best, in our best moments and our strengths and what we're doing. And and I want to thank you so much for for doing this. Well, you're very welcome. You know, I love gold stars (laughs) (laughs) And, and I wasn't always able to admit it. But um, yeah, it feels really good when you know that your work is making a difference in the world and it is um, impacting people's lives. So I really appreciate it. So that's what I have for you for this week. If you like this episode with Danielle Delina, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too may discover their amazing strengths. And you know, your reviews really help. 
As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at tracyoutsuka.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.